1: Thanks for being with me. Weekend edition. Yes, got to work overtime. It's Super Bowl week. I'm Dan McNeil, and it's the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. And I want to remind you, Bet Rivers is offering a second chance bet on your first same-game parlay on the big game. Place a qualifying same-game parlay on the big game. And if your bet loses, you get a bonus bet equal to your wager with your same-game parlay bet. You also can even earn a square that can be worth as much as ten dollars See the BetRivers app for full details and bet on the big game at BetRivers. I haven't talked much football lately. Uh, with With the Hall of Fame, with the stir over... How bizarre media week is at the Super Bowl. Uh, It's it's good to talk some football with a student of the game, Wayne Larrabee, the veteran voice of the Green Bay Packers, with me today. Uh, Man, it seems like forever since Championship Sunday. Let's kick the damn ball, Wayne. Is that how you're feeling? (laughs)
0: Exactly. I've got to tell you, Danny. First off, it's great to be on with you as always. Um, You know, we go way back. I mean, way back to the (laughs) days when WGN was out there where the TV studio is on Bradley Place, um, you know, off of, uh, what was it, Addison Street uh, in Chicago. Gosh, almighty. Anyway, uh, no, it's good because, you know, we've had two weeks to look at this thing, and I don't think you need two weeks to look at this game. Uh, These are the. These are the two teams that have emerged. The best team in the AFC, I thought, this year overall was Baltimore, and they were the best team in the league. But, you know, when you're you're Patrick Mahomes, you're the Chiefs, you've won a couple of Super Bowls, um, you know, you win some games maybe because of who you are more than the fact that you're so much better than the team you just beat. And I'm talking specifically about the game against the Ravens. And then you're the San Francisco 49ers, and they were the best team, I think, in the NFC overall this year. Um, but in the AFC, I would put them about third best in, in that uh, end of it uh, over the course of the season. Still, we got a good Super Bowl matchup, though, with Mahomes and the Chiefs and, and the 49ers.
1: I don't think what is being said about Mahomes is hyperbole. I think he's earning to be mentioned in the the, the same breath as the all-time greats. But I, I don't think the Chiefs get enough credit for what they do defensively and Andy Reid, very sneaky, has been ground Andy these last several years in the postseason. I think that's going to play a huge factor in whether they win or lose this week. I like their running game, and nobody talks about it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Pacheco has given them, Dan, um, a toughness. Okay, This is a guy who can go between the tackles and get you yards, and meaningful yards between the tackles, three, four yards when you need one or two. Um, but the other thing about Pacheco is he's also a guy, if he gets into space, and we saw this when I prepared for the game uh, the Chiefs played in Green Bay, the thing that, that struck me about Pacheco, and people don't talk about this at all, is that when he gets into the open field, he's explosive, okay? So when you get him into space and some of those quick tosses that they'll use a lot against San Francisco this year, uh, this game, uh, he's very explosive if he gets a crease. And so that's the dimension toughness on one hand that's what he brings every play but that explosive element if you get him into space um that's something that is uh, makes him I think a little bit more of a special back who are you picking I-, I like the Chiefs in this game and I'll tell you why simply because um I think they're playing better now they're playing their best football of the season now okay They struggled right through Christmas Day. Okay, lost at home to the Raiders Christmas Day. You saw Travis Kelsey, the image of him slamming his helmet on the ground the whole bit. They were really frustrated and lost for most of this season, especially offensively. But the thing I like about them is they got it together down the stretch. They had the tougher road to hoe. You tell me, okay, Miami, then on the road to Buffalo and Baltimore. They beat much higher-level competition and nothing against the NFC teams that 49ers came through. But uh, you take a look, if you're looking at this honestly, objectively, um, those teams I just mentioned to the AFC are higher caliber level teams than what the Niners had to go through in their two games at home to get to the Super Bowl. And and again, not saying anything disparaging about the two teams because the Lions are excellent. The Packers are playing as well as anybody at the end of the season. But um uh, you look at what Kansas City did in the gauntlet. They came through and how the Niners got to the Super Bowl. And I'll tell you, I like Kansas City right now. And the other thing you mentioned, it's not just their running game, but their defense. And you said their defense doesn't get enough credit. Well, up until this season, their defense wasn't a major player in this thing. It was Andy Reid. It was Patrick Mahomes. It was that offense. And the defense would hang on and make it occasional play. This Kansas City defense is far and away the best defense they've brought into the playoffs. And I think it's the reason why they're going to win.
1: I do respect San Francisco enormously. You're silly if you don't, but they, they dodged two bullets, man. They, they were outplayed by the Packers, couple of missed kicks. They're outplayed by the lions, couple of bonehead decisions by Dan Campbell. I love Campbell. He got his team beat two weeks ago. Um, I guess I kind of want to see somebody stuff it up the, the Niners giggy for that reason, to use Terry Bohr's phraseology. And uh, although Kyle Shanahan's a numbers guy, too, I'm sick of math in football. It belongs in baseball, Wayne. Too many variables in a football game. You agree?
0: I agree wholeheartedly with you. I think the next gen stats are ridiculous. Um they're they're meant only to maim uh, the story and confuse the listeners. So, you know, I, I, I agree with you, Dan. I think we've tried to take baseball analytics and apply them to football. Football is 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 a much different game played by 53 men on each roster um by, you know, it, it the variables that you just mentioned. Make it so that you really can't count on numbers. Uh, You know, although we're trying hard to put numbers to football, I I think there's there's much more to it than that. Um, That is, for lack of a better word, there's much more spiritual, especially this time of year in football, uh, than analytics could tell you.
1: As you might be able to imagine, there is an enormous fear factor going on in Chicago right now. The Bears sitting with the number one pick. And what to do with it, with Justin Fields still not having answered a lot of questions after three years. While Jordan Love had an incredibly impressive first year at the wheel. And, you know, you got C.J. Stroud in Houston Thursday night winning Offensive Rookie of the Year all the great players who are young players on the Lions. It's easy to be dispirited if you're a Bears fan right now. Question for you is this. How convinced are you that Jordan Love now is locked in as the third consecutive man who can do this in Green Bay for 10 years?
0: Oh, I certainly think he uh, he certainly has shown all of us that that he has that ability. There's no question about that. But Dan, I will offer only this uh, caution. And I I think Love will hit it out of the ballpark his second year. I really do because I think he'll he'll improve his footwork even more. I think he'll be even more accurate. I I think he's got a great head on his shoulders and he's not going to let success get in the way of continual improvement, which is what he's uh, out to to do during the offseason. But I will caution everyone on this. We don't know about quarterbacks after one year. Okay. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks, especially new quarterbacks, young quarterbacks have a great year. Can you do it back to back? Can you do it when everyone is preparing for you? And now they have tape on you. Now they know how you do your thing. And now they start counteracting that. Um, I think the second year is really critical in deciding, do you have the franchise quarterback? Do you have the guy you can really move forward with? But all the indications are the that last eight nine games of the regular season to the first game of the playoffs. Jordan Love is outstanding, and there's no reason to think he won't be that guy. But I think the second year is where that quarterback proves his metal, and that's what I think. That's where I think Jordan Love will hit it out of the ballpark this coming year. But let's again. We saw the two Joneses, Mac Jones in New England, the other Jones with the Giants. We thought they were good. Both franchises thought they were good enough to move forward with. Now both franchises can't get off of them quick enough. Um, Jalen Hurts had that great Super Bowl, great run a year ago with Philadelphia. This year, second half of the season, not so much. So uh, it takes time before. All I'm saying is just takes time before you know if that guy is the next Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or or a quarterback you can move forward with and maybe win the Super Bowl with someday.
1: What would you do if you were the Bears' general manager with that number one pick? Put your GM cap on.
0: Okay, um, the thing that that they have to determine is this. Um, What's the ceiling for Fields? Do they know where that ceiling is? And I'm sure he's still got room to to hit that ceiling. Is that ceiling going to be good enough to win with? Uh, Is that ceiling going to be good enough to pay him $300 million Uh, when his contract comes up in about a year or so, they're going to have to pay him in one form or another. Is he that good? Now, uh, once you determine where Fields is and how good he can be, um, now you have to look at the quarterbacks in the draft. If you draft one of those and get rid of Fields, you're going to take a step back, at least temporarily, at that position. But what you're trying to determine is Caleb Williams' ceiling, in the end, much higher than... Than Justin Fields. And if you determine that, then you're going to make that pick. You're going to pick Caleb Williams. You're going to suffer a little bit in the uh, short term, but then in the long term, you're going to have a guy whose ceiling is much higher. And maybe somebody after you, uh, the other thing you're going to do is you're going to recalibrate uh, the time clock on that position where you then have to pay the big bucks. Okay, instead of having to do it in a year or so, you're going to have to, you, you know, you're not going to have to do it for three years. Uh, or more. So um, there's a lot that goes into it, but the number one thing is this. They have to determine, is the ceiling on these quarterbacks they're considering in the draft higher in the long run than that of Justin Fields? And that's basically it. That's really what it is. Um, I think in all other aspects of that football team, Dan, I I saw a tremendous improvement. I think they need another frontline wide receiver, but they have a number one. I think they run the football exceptionally well. It's not just because the quarterback's been running either. Two years ago, that was the case. They led the league in rushing because their quarterback rushed for 1,000 yards or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, This year was wholly different. Um, They can run the football. And the other thing I like is their defense is coming along. That's, you know, you stop the run. In my opinion, that's the first tenant of defense in the NFL. Stop the damn run. If you can do that, then you can get better off the other things. And I think they did that this year, and I think they're – the the Bears are closer to putting it together than people realize. Unfortunately for them, they're still wondering about the quarterback position, and that's the most important position in all of sports.
1: So you draft Caleb Williams,
0: then? I didn't say that. I don't. I'm asking no, I,
1: you what you would do, Wade. I just not with the Bears. I, you you make total sense on your answer, but what would you do if you were the guy in charge?
0: I would go with Fields. I would stick with really? Fields. Wow. I I've seen a lot. I saw I've seen Caleb Williams real good, and I've seen him real bad, like at Notre Dame on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it's so dicey. But I think with Fields, I, I really like the kid. I like what he can do with his legs. I like the fact that I think he's getting better at being effective in the pocket, which is, I, I thought what they did in the second half of the year with him, okay. He's, you want him better in the pocket. Yeah. And I think he was a little better there, but where he's at his best is when you move the pocket. I'm not saying run him, get him outside, uh, let him do what Aaron Rodgers used to do at the height of his career, get outside and dance with the devil in space. And then wait, 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 make a play. I'm not saying that I'm saying just controlled, move the pocket, get him out a little bit where he's a little more comfortable, and then his mechanics come into play. I think he throws the football exceptionally well. I think he's a good leader. They, they love him. They want the players like him. They will follow him. Um, is his upside as good as some of these guys coming out in the draft? Who knows? Um, and it's still a crapshoot in the draft. I, I know what I have in Justin Fields. Do I really want to pay him frontline money? I, I would wait as long as I could on that, But um, right now, I would stay with him. Uh, That's my opinion, based on the little bit I've seen of the quarterbacks coming out. Uh, Drake May is no sure bet. Um, Some of these other guys, I don't know. But, you know, it's so hard at that position to make a determination. But I know what Fields is, and I know what I think he can be. um, And I think that that would be good enough if you're strong in the other uh, aspects of the team. And I think the Bears are getting there.
1: Wayne, I want to ask you for a couple of minutes about the broadcast booths in America. And this is not a topic that everybody enjoys, but a lot of us starting when we're kids, part of our love for sports has to do with the voices of the game, whether it's Ray Scott or Lindsey Nelson or Jack Brickhouse or Wayne Larravee for guys in their forties right now who grew up in Chicago. I was stunned by the stir on social media on Championship Sunday, and I was glad there was so much interest in the booths, particularly the television booths. I'm talking about what what seemed like Tony Romo was playing Greg Olson in Championship Booth Sunday because people were taking sides and viciously attacking both guys, although Olson drew a lot more compliments. I don't know how much time you spend – analyzing fellow broadcasters. But what are your thoughts on the state of broadcasting today? And let's start with the radio booth, which is your bread and butter. And that's where you have excelled for 40 plus years.
0: Well, I mean, I think where we're going in the business um, and satellite radio is a wonderful thing Uh, when you're out and about, you can listen to, and it's an NFL Sunday, you can listen to any number. Of uh, broadcast, local broadcast, even the national broadcast, whatever you can hear, a lot of different things. What I'm hearing from some of the um, newer guys coming into the business and coming into the broadcast booth is it seems to be, and, and this must be the directive from the people they work for. It's become more personality driven, and not just your analyst, but the play-by-play as well. And I think what we lose there is the the basics of play-by-play on the radio. You know, where's the ball? What down is it? How many yards to go? Who is where in the formation? Um, you know, are they in a shotgun? Uh, you know, where's that number one receiver? Is he split out left? Is he wide to the right? Who's going in motion? Um, and then just the description of the play. I think what we're getting in a lot of cases is we get great reaction to big plays. And, and you know, I, I think the hyperbole of NFL films and what they do with uh, the radio calls on their stuff, uh, that has kind of put an emphasis. On the big play, just get the big play right. Doesn't matter if you've covered how the ball got to where it got to. Just react and make a great call on the big play. Um, and I think so. From a play-to-play standpoint, from a listener, when I'm out riding around um, and listening to this, I, I think some we've, we're starting to lose a little bit of of the descriptive aspect of radio play-by-play. And be honest with you, Dan, that's what it's all about. And none of us give the score enough, by the way. You know, you jump into the car and and you just want the score. And I don't give it enough. It, 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 when I listen back on my stuff, I keep saying to myself, shouldn't you give the score by now? What's the score here? You know what I mean? Because people are jumping in and out. I think mm-hmm. you should give the score every third play. And and none of us do that. Um, Mitch Holtis of Kansas City Who's one of the legendary guys in this business. Does it the best of anybody. Whenever I've listened to him, he's great at that. Just give the score. What the heck is the darn score?
1: You know, I mean, and
0: we, we all get, we all lose it along the way with in that regard. And then Mitch Holtis talks about tasting the sweet
1: nectar of the end zone. One of his, uh, yeah. he's good. Uh, you know, the good
0: thing he's, is. He's great. Yeah. And there, Dan, there are a lot of really good guys in this business, really good play by play guys. And a lot of them have been at it for a long time and for good reason.
1: We can see the score, and it's not for everybody. If you're at a tailgate, you can't see it, but when I'm driving in my F one hundred fifty Muskie Fishing, they got the graphics, they got the team logos up for me. You know, they got the Packers Helmet 7 Detroit Nothing. So that helps. And maybe that's part of it. Technology has so is, is so far the younger guys just don't think about it. They'll see it on their truck uh, monitor. I, I don't know. Let's let's get to Tony Romo. And yeah. Whatever you want to say you can have, but I'm going to tell you what I think of this guy. And he was given a terrible disservice by not doing an apprenticeship several years ago. CBS leapfrogged every guy who had been paying their dues as a studio analyst or somewhere in a smaller market. And they give him $17 million a year after he excels as a first year broadcaster because he can predict plays. And he did it well, as could anybody who quarterbacked in the NFL for 10 years when he sees shifts and formations and those tendencies I don't think it's too much to ask of a guy to know both rosters he goes with Spags and Chris Jones it's all he seems to know on the Chiefs and it started to tumble on Tony I think people have noticed he just doesn't seem to prepare very well and I know people want to be entertained he can be entertaining but do your effing job Know who's on the roster if you're the number one guy on a network. I don't think that's too much to ask. Your thoughts, Wayne <laughs> <laughs> Um, I,
0: I like Tony Romo, um, and I really liked him as an analyst when he first came out. And you're right, Dan. You, you, the, guy, the first guy in broadcasting who really did that, predicting plays, you have to go all the way back to the late 70s, early 80s, Hank Stram, when he came out of coaching. Um, he, he would really do, uh, kind of what Steve Stone does in baseball. Mm-hmm. He would put himself into, um, the coach on the sidelines. What would that coach do? What would he do as, as that coach on the sidelines? What play would he call in this situation? And a lot of times back then, Hank had it right. He we would call the, predict the play and Jack Buck would call it and, and everyone marveled over it. When Tony first came out, Um, he had a great insight into the NFL because he had just finished playing. He prepared for all these teams over the course of his career. He knew what their tendencies were, especially that Kansas City, um, New England, I want to say, was divisional playoff game. Maybe it was AFC championship game. Um, And it was at Arrowhead, I remember, he just predicted one thing after another. Everyone just went absolutely bananas, okay? Everybody was beside themselves. Wow. He just knows what these teams are going to do. He's just so, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And in the end, as he got farther away from his playing career, uh, it seemed like he got farther away from being able to predict what was going to go on or anticipate or give us a clue as to where these teams are coming from and thinking. And people thought his preparation was dropping off. I don't know if it was or not, but I know he received a lot of criticism, not this past season, but the year before. I thought this season he was much more engaged, much more um, in tune with the teams, that type of thing. But, um, yeah, I guess he had a rough game in that AFC championship game. And, uh, you know, I think we all get caught up in the big personality. So you got Spagnola, who's running a great defense in Kansas City now. It's a difference for the Chiefs. It's probably what will make them Super Bowl champions again. He gets caught up in Spags and all this other talk. And, and then how do you not talk Andy Reid? in Ad nauseum or Patrick Mahomes and and you know god knows who they're who's on the team besides those guys. So you get into some of that. On contrast, Greg Olson is a little more contemporary. His career ended just a couple of seasons ago, a few seasons ago, and he has burst on the scene and I think become a really good analyst. And you know, and now people take a sympathetic look at it cuz Tom Brady's going to leapfrog him into the number 1 booth and make 30 million a year. So I I don't know our business, Dan, as you know, is so subjective. And I don't mean, I just don't have a strong feeling on Tony Romo, whether he's great or not. I think he's good. I think he's enthusiastic. He engages me uh, as a listener. Um, you no, know, his stuff. I mean, I think it's still pretty good, but I think, uh, if you really want a great analyst, um, Greg Olson is it right now. I think he's the modern day, great analyst. And, um, they all do it differently. There are These guys today are a little more X's and O's. Madden was X's and O's, but he brought it down to our level. Um, you know, just with his boom and all the different terminology he used. Mm-hmm. He could tell you, and he, he he did a great job of explaining a three technique. Now he's going to be just to the outside right shoulder of that guard and that kind of thing, you know, or the center or whatever. He, he, he really brought, from a language standpoint, he brought football X's and O's down to our level. I think guys today do a little more X's and O's at their level. Does that make any sense? I don't know.
1: Yes. And Madden Madden was such a great salesman for the sport early in his career. Like vital was for college basketball in the eighties. Madden was for the NFL. It made fans out of young people. His video game still is enormous. All these NFL kids who never heard him call a game talking about, Oh, I'm, I'm doing great in the Madden game this year. They love it. And I, I wonder who those next guys are though, whether you're an analyst or a play-by-play guy, it doesn't seem, and maybe I'm going more toward play-by-play here because Romo has a bigger than life persona. I give him that. After Joe Buck, who? Doing games on television. Kevin Harlan's a great broadcaster. He's probably best suited for basketball. He's still very, very good. But who's the network voice who has, who has presence?
0: I don't see it anywhere. I I really like Kevin Burkhart. I I think, you know, he's got presence. He's got a big uh, play call. And I think he pays attention to details as the play ensues. In other words, you know, it's, it's one thing, and we all focus on it. We try to anyway. Hit the home run at the time the pitch is made. But how do you get there? You know, how do you work the count? How do you get that team down the field? Because not every play is a huge play. Um, I think Kevin is very good at that. Obviously, I think Joe Buck is is the, um, of this age of play-by-play guys, uh, he's the best. Now, again, Al Michaels is a guy from a, a different age, a little bit, he's the class before. But I, I do think, um, you know, Joe Buck is kind of, to me, the standard on television right now. Love Kevin Harlan on radio and TV. I think he does them both exceptionally well. Um, and some of the other guys, you know, they're they're good. There's some good guys out there. But I want to go back to something you said pursuant to the analyst um, and even play-by-play guys. Play-by-play guys don't just burst on the scene. They, they usually come up through the ranks. Analysts, not so much. It's a matter of your name. Are you the hot name coming out? Romo retires from America's team. He's the hot name. He gets into the booth first. Even John Madden, when he left the Raiders, and I remember this specifically because I interviewed him on, when I was in Kansas City for a pregame show. He was working on I don't know the CBS 4th team or something like that and he was just for a couple of years and they kind of gradually moved him up and by the time he got to the number 1 chair he was fully blossomed as a receiver. He was a finished product, you know, he had matured in that regard and I think that's why he he was as good as he was for as long as he was. I loved Enberg and Merlin Olsen over the years. I I thought Dick Enberg was Quintessential television. He and then Al Michaels. Uh, those two guys to me stood out as as two guys. You know, Enberg was a poet laureate uh, in in framing uh, the picture on television. Uh, there are a lot of good people in the business, and the networks have, have identified a lot of good play by play guys. But you're asking for the best, and I think you know. Right now, today, Joe Buck. I like Kevin Burkhardt a lot. Um, those are the guys. Kevin Harlan's another guy that that they they deserve to be at the top of the heat.
1: Wayne, always great catching up. Enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend and let's hope when the schedule comes out we don't see Bears Packers bookending the season again like we did last year.
0: <laughs> I'm agree I'll agree with you on that, Danimal.
1: Wayne Larravee, you can catch him when you're driving around on Sirius XM. Find Packers Radio. He's going to give you the score at least every four plays. We'll see if he can get to three and match the Kansas (laughs) City standard set by Sweet Nectar of the end zone. I'm Dan McNeil. I'm produced by Sam Michael. Adam Delavitt is the big boss man at Bet Rivers. Enjoy Super Bowl 58, everybody. Back early next week. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.